morning. Morning to all of you. Welcome to the Christian Bible Church of the Philippines English Service. It's a pleasure to have all of us gathered again as a people to recenter our hearts and our hopes in Jesus Christ. I am Pastor Nathan, and I'm privileged to be the Lord's messenger for you this morning. Last week, we began our series on the pilgrim's life. This talks about First Peter. And Pastor Jared talked to us about the life of a pilgrim, that we as Christians are called resident aliens. So this morning, before we begin, I want us to look at the aliens beside us. Yeah, say good morning. Imamukhang alien. Say good morning pa rin. Okay? Pastor Jared also told us that while we are here on earth, our lives as pilgrims will always be filled with tension. Because we do not belong here. We are aliens here. And yet we are invited to reside here. We are resident aliens. Temporarily here, but ultimately we are destined for another place. So, today we will look at the way of a pilgrim. 1 Peter 1.13-25 But to truly understand the term pilgrim in terms of the Christian life, we must understand first who we are, and then second, what we are called to do. Let me tell you a story. When I was a teenager, during my summer break, I would tag along to my father's office in Binondo. In the mornings, my father would be running bank errands. And although I was still a teenager, he would be sending me out on what I call bank missions. He would hand me bank notes, deposit slips, whatnot, and then we'd be sitting down at the office for around 15-20 minutes. He'd be giving me the bank mission briefing. He would be instructing me where to go, what what to do, who to look for, what to say when I get there. This briefing was meant to keep me focused on my mission out there, out in the streets of Binondo, where to go, who to look for, how to carry myself so I don't get robbed, what to do, who to look for. And sometimes that would necessitate him drawing maps on a piece of scratch paper because wala pang Google Maps noon. He would instruct me which teller to go to, which one was friendly, which one was always in a bad mood, which one was an old uh, cranky person, which one yung dapat hanapin ko, yung pangatlo sa gitna, sa katabi ng bintana na medyo malaki yung ilong. Yan. Details like that. He would segregate the documents. Ito pang Metro Bank yan. Ito pang HSBC yan. And then he would send me out. He would send me out on by myself on a mission in the streets of Binondo. So I would be rehearsing my briefing in my mind as I walked through the streets, the sidewalks, who, sino nga, yung pangatlo, saan nga, sa Metrobank, ito, deposit, ito, withdrawal, okay. You see, the mission that he sent me on is what gives meaning to my pilgrimage. Without any mission, why would I go out in the streets of Binondo where it smells like horse feces and smoke? Why? Because as a father, he chose me for this mission so that I accomplish something out there despite of the heat that I have to endure, despite of the sweat that will happen to me, despite of the potential threats out there, I had a mission. So imagine if I went out in the streets, the dangerous streets, may mga holdupper, may mga traffic, baka mabangga akong daming pwedeng mangyari. So many things could happen to me. And I went out there and forgot why I was even out there in the danger. What if I forgot the mission briefing totally? Imagine what my mindset would be. I was sweating. I was on a summer break. Why am I out in the streets of Binondo at near noontime suffering the smell of horse feces and smoke pollution? Why? Why am I here? This sucks. Shouldn't I just be at home resting like my, all other of my classmates? 
Could you imagine how sorrowful my, my thoughts would become? Imagine how hopeless I would feel and sorry for myself I would feel if I forgot why I was sent out. Similarly, let me ask you, as a pilgrim, what happens to us if we're sent out into this world that also sometimes smells like horse feces and smoke pollution, and you forget why God even sent you here? You'll be sorrowful. You'll be sorry for yourself. Terrible life this is. To live is to die. Meaningless. Everything is meaningless. How can I end this sooner? And so the pilgrim's life loses its meaning and vibrance when we forget what we were called for in the first place. And so in this book, next slide please, Apostle Peter refuses to allow us to forget our mission. Let's read again from the first two verses of this book. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. In these letters to the churches, we can anchor the main point of the whole book, usually in the first two verses. And here on the first two verses of 1 Peter, it tells us what the thesis will be. We are elect exiles. But not just elect. We were not just called, okay, Nathan. I know, what, what, what? Just calling you. We are elect exiles called for obedience in and during and throughout our exile. Obedience to what? Obedience to Jesus Christ. So when Pastor Jared likened us last week to pilgrims who are ambassadors, that is the main point. We are not just pilgrims called to travel in a foreign land and we forget why. We are pilgrims who are called to function as ambassadors. So sticking with the framework of the identity and function, we are pilgrim ambassadors. Pilgrims are defined as a people who live in a place for a length of time but do not actually belong there. But we're not just that. We're also to function as ambassadors who are defined as a diplomatic agent accredited to a foreign government as resident representative of his or her own government for a special and often temporary diplomatic assignments. So just like when my father called me, come here, come here, he also gives me a mission briefing. Do this, do that. Where, who, what, how. Carry yourself this way. Be like this so that you won't get blah, 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 blah. So that, so that, so that, so that. Christians, we also have a mission briefing. And that's where we enter into our passage for today in verse 13 to 25. Let's read this together. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Next slide. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you 
who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God, for all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this is the good news that was preached to you. So today we'll look into 1 Peter with three points. The posture of a pilgrim's mind, the promises for a pilgrim's heart, and the proper response of a pilgrim's conduct. Let's proceed to the posture of a pilgrim's mind. Next slide, please. Peter begins by telling us two instructions. Prepare your minds for action and being sober-minded. If you read this out loud, two words stand out. Minds, 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 minds. To properly live lives of pilgrimage, Peter doesn't say, Peter doesn't draw a map. Peter doesn't tell you to work out. The first thing he tells you to do is to prepare your minds. Interesting, right? Look at your seatmate. Mukhabang matalino. Mukhabang prepared yung utak nila o mukha tulog na yung utak nila. Start pa lang tayo, tulog na. No? Mindset. Before he told them where to go, what to do, he told them to prepare their minds. Are your minds even ready to listen to me today? So how to gird up your loins? The, the phrase he used, prepare your minds for action, is translated literally as to gird up the loins of your mind. So can we show the picture of how to gird up your loins? Let me read this to you. It's a bit small, no? The tunic wouldn't allow you to do heavy labor or fight in battle. It was like a dress. So you needed to gird up your tunic. First, you hoist up the tunic so that all the fabric is above your knees. This will give you mobility. Gather all the extra material in front of you so that the back of the tunic is snug against your backside. Dapat nakabakat. Once the excess fabric is gathered in the front, pull it underneath between your legs to your rear. It'll feel much like a diaper. Gather half of the material in each hand, bring it back around the front. Finally, tie it together with two handfuls of materials. And you're all set for battle and hard labor. Go forth and gird up your loins, ye men. I just found this on Google. But Peter was trying to paint a picture in the reader's mind by saying, gird up the loins. He was not asking them to gird up their outfits. He said, gird up the loins of your mind. He was painting a battle picture, but he wasn't moving their bodies into battle positions. He was saying, your mentality must be battle ready. Are your minds flexed? Ready, activated for battle. The battle that is required of pilgrims in a foreign world with foreign enemies. The second phrase that he uses is being sober-minded. Sober-minded. Hmm, we don't use this nowadays, right? But that phrase actually means being focused, attentive, awake, and watchful. So when we combine these two words together, it tells us that our minds must be awake, woke, but in the proper way, in the Christian way. What must we be awakened to? What must we be alert to? It's not to the fashions of this world, to the trends of society, to the sins, to the news that barrage our Viber group sent from our titas and our titos. China, may bagong virus. China, uh, Japan, may radiation sa pagkain. Not that. He's telling us to prepare our minds for action, to gird up the loins of our minds for the journey of a pilgrim. 
We're about to head into the streets of Binondo where dangers lie. So Christians, how often have we thought of preparing our minds? Do you wake up each day and say, okay. Or do you wake up each day, okay, I will exercise, I will fix my schedule, I will uh, bring my, my kids to school. Do you prepare your minds at all? Interesting how Peter tells us this is the first priority. Battle minds. Battle preparations. May the Lord help us. So the pilgrim, first and foremost, must be mission-minded. Mission-minded. Do you know your mission? Or do you just say, I am saved, I am saved, I am called, I am called? For what? Action-oriented. To do what? Prepared for battle. May gagawin kay. There's something you're supposed to do, and that's what you're preparing for. You're not just saying, I'm saved, I'm forgiven, beautiful life, lovely human beings. Preparing for action. Every morning, do you wake up and prepare for Christian action? Jesus himself reminds his disciples of this reality. Mark 13, 32 to 37. But concerning that day or that hour, Jesus is speaking, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, he turns to them, stay awake for you. You do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. How many times did he say, stay awake in a span of six verses? He said it four times. You could hear it. Awake. Awake, awake, awake. He was leaving an alertness. He was leaving an attentiveness. He was leaving a watchfulness in the wee hours of the night. Night vision. You're looking. You're waiting. You're anticipating. What should I do? What should I do? Is there something I need to respond to? Something I need to avoid? Something I'm prepared to do. Jesus said, you don't know the hour. Keep awake. When I was in college, one of our professors in pre-med had a habit of giving exams and leaving the room. He would just leave the room after he gave the exams. It was a room of 60 people, so it was pretty packed. You were literally rubbing shoulders with your exam mate. And so, one of my classmates caught on. Sabi niya, well, lagi lumalabas si prof. So when the prof went out, he looked to the side. Suddenly, the door opens. Boom, the prof is there. Santos, get out. Lahat kami. Santos. So you can imagine the next time that the professor gave an exam and left the room. Nobody turned their necks. No muscles were moving. Only the hand muscles. We were affixed to what we were assigned to do. Because we did not know when the teacher would return and catch us asleep doing something we're not supposed to be doing. Unprepared for his return. This was the sensation that Peter wanted his readers to feel. Are you getting tired of this pilgrimage so much so that you're slacking off your neck looking at your seatmate? Ano kaya ginagawa nila? So you check Facebook. Nagpakasal na pala si... Ah, si ano nanganak nga. Ah, si ano tumaba. You're just looking to your side. Because there's nothing more important to do. Because you're forgetting that you were left with work, each one of you, for you to do by your master. And though you do not know when 
dawn, evening, midnight, he will return, he says that he will. And if you profess to be Christians, you know our master is right at the gates. Prepare your minds for action. Keep awake. Keeping his return as central to our minds and our attentions, si Santos focus eh. Kasi alam niya nandiyan eh. And for all of us, we must be like Santos. We can't be sleeping and slacking our necks. Gird up the loins of your minds, brothers and sisters. And so we must ask ourselves, when Jesus returns, which he will, what will he catch your mind being attentive to, watchful of, busy about, preparing for? Schedules, tuition fees, business problems, conflict, unavoidable in this pilgrimage, but where is the mission there? What is God asking from you in the tuition fees, in the conflicts, in the business problems, in the financial struggles? What is the mission action he is preparing you for? Remember, we are not just pilgrims trying to get through tuition fees and wait for Jesus. We have a mission right here throughout the time of our exile. Are our minds preparing for the mission? Or are we just sleeping until he returns? Peter goes on and says, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And many of us, we don't read the book of Revelation, but I think this informs 1 Peter. As we look at Revelation chapter 21, verse 3 to 4, this was John. He was saying, this is what it looks like. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for the former things have passed away. You see, pilgrims, to set our hope fully on this vision of a kingdom of restoration that is sure to come, promised to us. It gives us something to look forward to. There will finally be comfort for the uncomfortable. We are no longer on the mission field. We are home. There will finally be fullness of life forevermore because he will defeat death. Whatever you're trying to gain life, he will give you that. He will stop your mourning. Whatever you're uh, crying about every day and distracted from your mission, you're crying about, uh, uh, you're still mourning about your losses, he will return what you lost. The pain that you feel, ang sakit, ang sakit nung kaibigan ko, sinakta niya ako, wala, hindi na kami nag-uusap. And so now, you can't, you can't look at your neighbors, you can't focus on your task because why? You're just saying, ang sakit eh. Sakit ng buhay na to eh. It hurts eh. Setting our hopes fully on the hope that will be revealed in the future says, mawawala yan, promise mawawala yan. Okay lang yan. Tiisin mo yan ng konti kasi malapit ng mawala yan. Tapusin mo muna yung kailangan mo tapusin. Mawawala din yan. It doesn't just eliminate. It restores fully what you never had. Hindi lang babalik yung dati. It won't just return to before. It will be better than you ever, ever imagined it could be. What happens if we're constantly preparing our minds, girding up the loins of our minds to prepare for that fullness of life every day? What if you start every morning with a vision of what God will restore and promises to restore to you? Imagine the losses that you take on that day. Wala na lang yan eh. It's like brush off. 
Okay lang, okay lang. Binastos ako ng kaibigan ko. Okay lang, I will still love him. Hindi ako pinansin. Sininzone ako nung disciple ko. Kahit pray ko siya ako pray, hindi niya ako pinapansin. Okay lang. Malapit na eh. Okay lang. Do you guys love buffets? You love buffets, right? Korean buffet, Korean barbecue, unlimited barbecue. What do we do when we have a buffet dinner scheduled with our friends at 8 p.m. at night? The night before you're already fasting. Paano kung masusulit yung 899 kung kumain ako tonight? Kailangan yung kainin ko, 899 yung worth. So you're fasting dinner, breakfast, lunch, merienda, and second merienda. Kaya ko yan. Mamaya, magsasabgipsal naman ako eh. Later, I will have the juiciest beef for the month. I will finally have kimchi jjigae touch my lips again. I will have spicy bibimbap on my tongue again. And so it helps you endure the groaning of breakfast. Okay lang yan. Tosino lang yan. Ang Junk food yan eh. Merienda, donut lang yan. Mamaya, samgipsal. Why can we do that for a buffet, but we can't do that for the Christian life? Revelation of Jesus Christ, the grace that will be revealed to us in Jesus Christ on that day is more than a buffet, but I'm sure there is Korean buffet there. But beyond that, it will more than satisfy what we didn't have on earth for breakfast, for lunch, for Merienda and second merienda. Everything is just donuts and tocinos we have here. Why can't we just fast a bit? Why do we demand that we have everything right now, even though we have buffet later? And it changes our appetites. Kumain ka kasi ng kumain ng donut, makdo, buong araw. Wala ka ng, ayoko na mag-buffet mamaya, kayo na lang. It's because we've made ourselves so satisfied with the world. We've tried to satisfy us ourselves with the world so that our appetites for heaven no longer excites us. But the revelation of Jesus Christ is more than the buffet. It promises far more. The people that you lost, the people that you've always wanted to spend time with but can't spend time with, it's a reunion. The people that live abroad because they've migrated, your friends, your cousins, your brothers, mismo na sila pero hindi makasama sa heaven, parang grand reunion, tapos sobrang sarap pa ng pagkain, tapos nandun pa si Jesus, grabe. But why can't we wait? Lord, gusto ko ngayon na eh. Imagine how enduring we would be if our minds are focusing on the buffet in the future. Kaya ko yan tiisin. Tosino lang yan. So the posture of a pilgrim's mind. When Christians set their hopes fully on the grace that is promised on the day of Christ, it energizes them to persevere in the mission. It elongates their patience. And it focuses them on the present obedience. Sige, tapusin ko na to. May buffet mamaya eh. Tapos yung homework para makasama ko. Focused. Focused. But if there's, there's no buffet, by all means, have your tosino. And so Christians can live in a world differently because we have a promised buffet. We don't need to eat the scraps of the world. And so we are able to serve others. Sige, sayo na lang tong donut. Meron daw samgyupsal mamaya eh. It makes you more loving. It makes you more generous. It makes you more gracious of your time, of yourself, of your attention, of your thoughts, of your own prayer life. Give it away. Pray for others for all sake. Because Jesus is praying for me. Jesus has prepared for me. Why do I have to store up 50 million pesos in my bank when I have a mansion already in heaven? Let me give this to the poor who are already dying as of today. We do not have to store for ourselves when Jesus has stored for us a promised hope in a future. It changes our pilgrimage. It reminds us of the mission. 
set your hope fully on the grace that is promised to you, my brothers and sisters. Magbubuffet din tayo. And so Hebrews 12 too. Same theme. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, consider him, mindset, consider him, who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. You may continue. Continue, endure, endure, breakfast, lunch, merienda, second merienda, kayato. Because Jesus himself showed that in his pilgrimage here. He didn't demand from the world to love him. In fact, he was on the cross and nobody was beside him. Not even the 12 was beside him. He had nobody. But he didn't need the donuts of attention and glory and affirmation. Pilate, people, soldiers spat on his face. He didn't even defend himself. He didn't need validation from the world. He didn't need attention. He didn't need, Good job, Jesus. He didn't need the donuts and the tocinos because he had the joy that was set before him as his prize. He was running there. Kahit anong dura, kahit anong tinatapon sa kanya ng crowd, hindi. I can endure whatever cross, I can endure whatever shame, my joy, that is mine. It's mine. Do you know what's yours, Christians? Knowing what's yours enables you to obey the cross and to despise your own shames so that you may be focused on the mission, not distracted. What cross have you been crying? What shame are you withstanding? In what ways ought you to look even more to Jesus in these trials? Looking to Jesus, consider Him, mind, set, Intense na ba? Talk to your seatmate muna. Sabi niyo, Jesus mindset. Yeah, Jesus mindset. Jesus mindset tayo. So we'll move on to the next. What is ours? Ano nga ba yung atin? The promises for a pilgrim's heart. Throughout the passage that we read, you're actually being given the vision of what the grace that you have already been given in Christ. Verse 14 tells you you are God's child. You call on him as father. And yet this father is a holy God. He doesn't like evil and yet he calls you by his grace. And not just calling you, he paid for you with his own son. The untainted, unblemished blood of Christ, he paid so that he can have you, the dirty little you that you are. And in fact, the prophets did not even see this, but because of us, he was revealed, Christ was given. Angels longed to look for this, and yet we have been graciously given Jesus Christ. This is all that we have. All that is yours, Christians. And yet, in this foreign world, this is exactly so powerful that the enemy who steals, kills, and destroys immediately tries to steal, kill, and destroy these central truths. In fact, he does this to Jesus in his temptation in Matthew 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And the devil said finally to Jesus, All these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. To summarize the whole temptation, Jesus was sent for a mission, to give himself up for us to give his life away so that others might live. But the enemy was asking him, Weh, talaga, son of man ka? Really? You're promised everything? 
Why don't you just have bread? Kain ka na lang. Don't do your mission. Just satisfy yourself using your power. Using what God has given you, your authority to turn stones into bread, use it to satisfy yourself. Use your authority, your riches, your abundance. Satisfy yourself na lang. Never mind the mission. But don't sarili mo. Kain ka na ngayon. Donut ka na. Second, sabi niya, di ka ba alagaan ni God? Won't God take care of you? And command the whole heavens to give you food and take care of you. You're so tired after 40 days in the wilderness. It almost sounds like, Christians, di ba? Mahal ka ni Lord. Di mo ba deserve yun? Di ba mahal ka? Hingin mo anong gusto mo. Prosperity gospel tayo. Di ba? He wants you to have forever perfect hope in a future. Hingin mo ng perfection. Didn't it say in the Bible? It's true, but it's also not true. The same truth can be turned so selfishly that it disables you from focusing on the mission. It becomes you are the mission, self-satisfaction is the mission, and God is a servant. You see how subtle the enemy tries to trick you. You deserve everything now. God loves you, diba? Son of God ka, diba? Pakataba ka na dito na. Jesus, no, no, no. God's word dwells in him and lives richly in him so that he can endure. Say no, no. I'm not here to satisfy myself. I'm in the wilderness to be tested so that my faith may prove genuine. That's what Peter was telling us in verse 6 to 7. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, did you notice this? If necessary, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. The trials that we are going through as pilgrims can sometimes be necessary so that our faith may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor of the revelation of Jesus Christ. There are necessary trials in life. Grief to meant to refine, to burn away the chaff and refine us as gold. And so promises like, you deserve an abundant life, it can become your excuse to not be trialed, to be refined. Ayoko na, ang hirap ng tao niya, hindi ko na mamahalin. Sabi ni Jesus, uh, let the wrath of God be, gagamitin mo pa yung word ni God para isave yung sarili mo from suffering. You don't want to be refined. Make your life easier. By all means. Tanda ka na eh. You deserve it. Enjoy, enjoy ka na lang. Huwag ka na mag-mission. Huwag ka na, na mag-disciple. Marami naman mababata sa church. They're really good. So what happens if you believe these lies of the enemy? Turn the stones to bread. Satisfy your hunger now. It makes Christians bench players and there's less soldiers on the battlefield. Because you're retiring, even though you're still here. I'm not saying what you're retire, but don't retire from the Jesus mission. As long as you're on earth, you're an ambassador. The enemy wants to take that away from you. Steal, kill, destroy your mission. And now you're in Binondo, it's hot, you're sweating, and it's useless. Kailan ba uuwi? Kailan ba si Lord babalik? Puro ganun na lang. Diba, ikaw rin yung depressi. Eh. But yet God tells you, you are my child. You are called for a reason. I paid for you with the precious blood of Christ. And you were the reason I revealed Christ to you. And I did all these gracious things to you because I want you to have the privilege to participate in my mission. So we, we proceed quickly to the proper response of a pilgrim's conduct. How should we respond? Now that all these are ours, all these promises are given to us so graciously. Remember, next slide please. We are in the sanctification, in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ. We are constantly being purified in the Spirit so that we can obey more. You are being purified so that you can participate more. 
Participating in God's mission is not a burden. It's actually a joy. Your life is not meaningless until heaven. It already can mean something here on earth. And anything that God desires to use, he desires to sharpen. And this sharpening is called sanctification. No big word, but basically it's making you more and more like Christ. Sharpening you like a sword for battle. And he's using necessary grief and necessary trials to make a sword out of you. And so if I were to frame the book of Peter or, or, or passage for, of Peter in identity and function framework, you can actually see the same pattern. Peter anchors promises to privileges. Promises, privilege, promise, privilege, identity, function, identity, function. I am God's child. I must obey and turn away from my selfish passions. I am called by God. Therefore now, I must act in accordance to my master who is holy. I am ransomed by God with Jesus' precious blood. Therefore, I must respond by living a life of reverence. God has revealed himself to me. Therefore, I am invited to put my faith and hope in him. Without the left side, you couldn't have done the right side. You couldn't. You can't. You were dead. But God graciously gave you a new identity so that you can conduct yourselves throughout the time of exile with reverence, with worship, with meaning, with mission, with purpose. That is exactly why the enemy wants to make you forget the left side. Child pa ba ako ng God? Parang ang hirap-hirap ng buhay ko. Yung pamilya ko, puro problema. Tignan mo yung kaibigan ko sa Facebook. Parang saya sila nila. Nasa Europe lang sila. He's making you forget all that you have. Telling you all that you have not. So that you cannot function anymore according to what you have. Kawawa ako eh. Imagine the people who always have self-pity. Do they love their neighbors? Wala eh. Kasi problema mo parang overwhelmed ka na eh. Papag-pray ko pa ba si ano? Ako nga, dami-dami ko problema. Di-disciple ko pa ba si ano? Ayun pa nga, wala yung di-disciple sa akin. Wala na eh. Bench player ka na eh. Kawawang-kawawa ka kasi. Diba? Kawawa ka eh. And Peter says, you're not. You are a child of God. You were called. God takes care of you. You are his sheep. You are his child. You were called. You have precious promises. His own blood is the cost that he wanted to pay for you, you are that valuable to him. Stop worrying about yourself. God's got you. And if God's got you, you can worry about others. It makes us more loving. It's a formula. So we skip. Do not be conformed. Yan, basahin na nila after. No, wala tayong oras. Pero it's really an exhortation to stop. Don't worry about those things. But instead, let's proceed to the last slide. Slide 32, please. Yeah, and having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly heart, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Love is the direct outcome of setting your hope fully on the buffet that is promised you and the present promises that enables you to not worry about yourself because everything God has graciously provided and promises already. Pinigay na niya, pinramis na niya, kaya pwede ka magbigay sa iba nung mga nasa'yo ngayon. Love. Sincerely. Paul even says this. We can see it all throughout the Bible in Romans 6, 15 to 18. What then? Are we to sin? Because we are not under law but under grace by no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether in sin, which leads to death, or out of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. For just as you once presented yourselves as members, as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present yourselves, your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. Save na ako, chill na ako. Antayin ko na si Jesus bumalik. Just wait for him to return. Take a chill pill. Or, does it say, present yourself as a slave to God's mission of righteousness. In that way, you will be purified, sanctified, glorified. 
you find more and more life, more and more abundance, more and more meaning in the suffering of pilgrimage because you're constantly presenting yourselves for purpose, mission, and a grander vision than just chill, chill na lang. Antayin ko si Jesus dito. It's very depressing, even as Christians. Tagal pa eh. 25 years old ka pa lang, pachil-chil ka pa. So, let's proceed to the case studies. I'll just present a few cases just to tickle your brains as we close. Think of this. You've heard of this. Parents who say, I'll bring my child to church. The goal, so that he will not be so hard-headed. Ang galing. Ang parenting. But actually, your underlying desire is, pagod kasi siya sa bahay. What am I trying to expose in this case study? This is not a sincere love that, that Peter was talking about. This is a sincere love for yourself. You want convenience. You don't, want, you don't really love your child. You don't want to sanctify your child. Maybe a bit, percentile. I want him to be uh, teachable because I'm so bad trip. 30-70. But if we desire our good sincerely for our child, the underlying desire is not you. So it cannot discourage you if he is still hard-headed. Di ko nadadalhin sa church, hindi gumagana. Because we're trying to feed a different underlying desire, we lose sight of the actual mission. Case study number two. Ito, para sa mga nasa ministry. I will lead a discipleship group. Wow, praise the Lord! So that others will know more about God, love people, and make disciples. Galing, memorize mo! But actually, your underlying desire is, I want others to think that I'm, a gro- I'm growing in Christ. Very subtle. 20% siguro, impurity. 80% righteous desire. There's a sense of self that is seeking to be gratified, relieved, saved, delivered. It's a sense of self. May donut ka pa gusto eh. There's, a, there's an eye in there somewhere. So imagine if your discipleship groups, sobrang problemado pala yung napili mong members, laki-laki pala yung family problems, ayoko na, baka isipin ng taon, hindi ako magaling mag, hindi ako magaling mag, ano, disciple leader. Quit na ako, hindi gumagana eh, ang, ang unholy pala na napili ko, Lord, grabe naman. So it deters you. It turns you into a bench player. Why? Because, you were looking for self-gratification rather than the good of committing to unholy people for long, suffering, obedience. They really suck. They really aren't godly. But how can I commit to them if I'm loving myself and trying to feed myself according to what happens to them? So a sincere brotherly love is this. Okay, next slide. I want to love him so that he will feel God's love. The underlying desire. Di pa pala ito. Sorry, next. Sama pa rin yan. I want to love him so that he will feel God's love because I want to obey God. It's a sincere obedience in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ, not for success. You're not elect exiles to succeed. You're elect exiles to obey. So no matter if you love him, he doesn't reciprocate, he doesn't know God, he doesn't trust God, he doesn't become a loving person, he doesn't come to church, you don't give up. Because why? You're not seeking to have validation that your efforts are working. There's no sense of self. It's all sincere Para sa'yo to. Mamahalin kita. Bibigay ko lahat. Kahit wala akong nakukuha sa'yo, kahit di mo minamahal, kahit inuubos mo yung oras ko. Bakit? There's nothing I'm trying to get from you, my brother. I have everything promised in the future. I have everything graciously promised me in the present. Therefore, I can love you sincerely without need to conserve anything for myself. 
I have a Father who's saving my savings up for me. I need not save here on earth. I am fully loved, fully accepted, fully ransomed by the one who will never fail. So imagine if we live lives like this. Obedience is our commitment. Obedience is our mission. This will help you endure the light and momentary troubles, the sufferings for a little while. Because magbubuffet na tayo. Malapit na malapit na. So pray. Pray for Jesus' return. But in the meantime, if he doesn't answer those prayers, focus on the mission. posture of a pilgrim's mind, the promises for a pilgrim's heart enables us to properly respond in our conduct here in exile. I pray that this message from the word of God in 1 Peter moves you to love sincerely. So at this point, I'll step back and ask you to reflect for a few moments on the reflection questions. Speak to God yourself. You could follow it or you could just simply respond to what's on your heart from the word today.